For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A Monday Birds 365 get-together, a daily Philadelphia Eagles show in which two Mac guys give you their best thoughts on what the birds are doing, right, wrong, or indifferent. And you've got to stay tuned to find out which way we lean today, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm Jody McDonald. My partner is John McMullen. Johnny Mac and Eagles signing since last we signed off. Yours truly can actually get behind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did get behind it, too. Now, they should. I mean, this is a, a clear upgrade getting Kaiser White uh, from the Chargers. Sort of that modern linebacker, you know, played safety in college at West Virginia. Uh, makes the shift, turns into a pretty good linebacker, can cover, you know, backs and tight ends. And, you know, on paper, it looks pretty good because DJ Edwards is sort of a traditional linebacker, big 240-pound guy. You can go downhill, very instinctive, good run defender. Now you got the pass defender. But what? We're still in March, right, Jody? What have I been telling you every day in March? Uh, nobody cares about the stinking running game in March. So, you know, we'll see how it works out when you have a 218-pound guy trying to play and run support. But, I mean, it's an upgrade, you know? It's an upgrade for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they got better by signing uh, Kaiser White, who's a better option than Alex Singleton, who signed in Denver. He's a better option than Davion Taylor, who remains very raw and is a developmental prospect. This is a clear upgrade, um, and it's a little bit of a step up. I mean, the Eagles have gone this route in free agency before. I can run down the names. There's a lot of them, uh, whether it's L.J. Fort or Paul Warlow or Corey Nelson or Zach Brown. You know, people forget some of the names. They always try to plug in these linebackers, and nothing works. This is this is an upgrade over that. And one, you know, that's a position that doesn't get paid in the NFL. So right. when people look at one year five million, they go, Well, that's not much. And it isn't, and that's positive as well. But that's a lot for an inside linebacker. That's l- like a little bit of an upgrade from where the Eagles have been in the past when they tried the band-aid approach. Right. But uh th- this guy should have gotten paid off the year that he had last year. He was eighth in the National Football League in tackles. Not eighth on the Chargers, eighth in the National Football League in tackles, which is pretty, you're in the top eight in anything in the National Football League in your position at a significant statistical category. I would say tackles for linebacker would be a uh, significant statistical category. Yeah, you're going to get paid at least some, the fact that it is just a one-year deal, and many people subscribe to the Hey, you can never do a bad one-year deal because if it's wrong, you're moving on after just one year. And that's exactly what they did here. I got zero problems with what they paid. I'm not sweating the fact that he's a 218-pound linebacker. If uh, need be, he's been a safety converted. He's gotten bigger and better every single year in the National Football League. If he needs five more pounds of muscle, I think he'll put on five more pounds of muscle. 
I like this signing. Uh, I had been uh, wondering why this guy had not come off the board yet. He was one of the better linebackers available uh, via free agency this year. He's a Pennsylvania kid. He's originally from Lackawanna County, so he was coming home uh, after spending his first four years with the Chargers, in which he got incrementally better every single year after being a fourth-round draft pick. I like this, J-Mac. This is... uh, it's not Hassan Reddick-like, which is a move-the-needle type guy, but this is a plug-in linebacker who's going to be on the field plenty. Uh, he is a guy who could absolutely play in coverage because, as you noted, he's a former uh, safety, so that will not be an issue that, oh, my God, he can't cover anybody coming out of the backfield or any quality tight end. No, I think he can. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is a key signing for the Eagles during the offseason and after the kind of boring – been there, done that, re-signings of both Harris and Barnett. It's nice to see the Eagles bring in some fresh blood, and I think they did an outstanding job signing this young man. Yeah, second wave of free agency is where the smart teams tend to make smart decisions, and I think the Eagles did that here, and they got a a value signing. Uh, That's an upgrade for them, and like I said, that's the goal in free agency. Get better, get better, get better. You can't hit a home run. Everybody wants uh, a superstar at every player. Uh, you can't do that. And the Eagles are starting to to put together a much more capable defense, as I said. And and one thing about the Eagles I always give them credit for, Jody, is what, what they tend to do makes sense. Now, the evaluation of certain players uh, may not pan out, but I kind of talked about the fit with TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, they kind of complement each other. Um, so it makes sense to to put these two players together uh, and we'll see how it works out on the football field. But, you know, he's a better player than Alex Singleton. He's a better player than Davion Taylor. So I don't see how you look at, at this move and give it anything other than a, a thumbs up. I'm definitely giving it a thumbs up. And uh, you're right about how you got to be looking at fit. Certainly him fitting next to TJ Edwards. Uh, The responsibility of the off-ball linebacker and Jonathan Gannon's defense in the first year. And as you correctly noted, they used a couple of different guys doing that. So they're probably looking for a little bit more stability. What do you think there is about White's game that makes you believe that it will be a good Gannon fit? Or is there a question in your mind that, Maybe the Eagles are looking for one thing and are going to try and develop another out of this young man's game. Do you think he's just a natural fit for the position in Gannon's state? Yeah, I think he's a natural fit for what he wants to do. That's one of the reasons he's here. I think the bigger, you know, everything fits together, right? The connection and he always talks about run fits and, you know, the Eagles, when they had issues and run support, they kind of traced it to two different things and that, that was not having the big nose tackle who can play at the, uh, you know, either zero technique or one and take up two blockers. And that forced them to use an extra guy on the front a little bit too much that they wanted to, to get all the run fits down. And then the safeties were, were a little bit too slow uh, um, getting down to the box in the run game at times. Um, So if they fix those issues, if they get that player up front and if they get a a safety who's better a little bit quicker getting into and and getting into his run fits, 
I think you're fine with Hassan Reddick. I, I think you're fine with Kaiser White. The problem is if you don't get those two players, then you might start to have some issues and people might start taking advantage of some of the undersized guys. But, you know, it's March. Nobody cares. Here's, Nobody cares. here's my only downside on Eagle signing, and it's a hypothetical one, you know me and hypotheticals, so I can't get too worked up about it anyway. Um, I really thought that there was a chance that we would be talking about Jerry Robinson come draft day. Yeah, come on, Johnny. You fall for that. Come on. That the Eagles were actually going to consider. There's there's much less of a chance now that they've signed Mr. White that they're actually going to call a linebacker's name out in the first round. Uh, If you haven't been paying close enough attention here to us on Birds 365 or me and my WIP ships, I mean, N'Kobe Dean devotee. I think he's going to be a uh, game-changing linebacker uh, next year right off the bat as a rookie in the National Football League. I think he can have a Micah Parsons-like effect with whatever team gets him this first year. Uh, He just was so dominant this past season. Now, I know, and I'm a guy who has talked about this for too long. I always make my uh, yearly Bobby Hoying reference. When the Eagles drafted Bobby Hoying as a quarterback and he came in as a rookie and he had some good games and he had one really great game against Boomer Esiason down at the vet where they both passed for close to 400 yards and Hoying actually got the last score and won. Shoot, on my WIP show the next day, they're ready to erect a statue of him down at the, the vet. And I continue <laughs> to say it after the draft, all the way through his nice little run in his first year as a rookie. Was he that good or were the players around him that good at Ohio State? And I always had that question about Bobby Hoying, and I think we found out over time, yeah, he was surrounded by a whole hell of a lot of talent. That's why he looked as good as he did. I know some people say the same thing about N'Kobe Dean because that Georgia defense this year was just spectacular. They're going to have a minimum of four guys drafted in the first round off that defense, maybe even five, um, and Dean should and will be one of them, I do believe. I think he was the centerpiece. I think he's the guy who made everything else possible for all the other players. The dominoes have to start to fall somewhere. I thought he was that guy for that defense this year. That's why I think he's going to be a spectacular pro. And I will tell you right now, the chance of the Eagles picking him with a first-round pick has officially reached zero. I was leaning toward 5 or 10%, Johnny Mack. First time since 1970, they may even take a linebacker. No, when they sign. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm at, you know, probably three percent. I'll give it a little bit more than you. I know, I don't. It's always about the player. Like I tell everybody, and whether they believe it or not, that's up to them. But if you go back to the 2017 draft, 2017, yeah, um, the Eagles were going to draft Christian McCaffrey in in the first round. And they were going to shock some people because, you know, people say the same thing. You don't take a running back uh, that high in the draft. But they love the stinking player so much they were going to take him. And, by the way, they're right. He's a tremendous player. Injuries have have, – That's uh, the field. That's the only problem. Um, It's always about the player. So, you know, there are certain players that can change the narrative. Generally, they're not going to look at linebacker. We know that. Um. But I got to tell you, last year was the year, man. If they were going to take a linebacker, that was the linebacker they're going to take. So, you know, Nicobe Dean, as good as he is, uh, 
Devin Lloyd, and I, I think they would more likely take Lloyd for the type of linebacker of, of the two. But either way, I mean, if they're not taking Micah Parsons and not considering Micah Parsons, no, they're not going to go in that direction. But I leave it open to 3% only because they have the luxury of three first-round picks. So that changes the dynamic a little bit. Like if there's one first-round pick, I'd be with you. Zero. Zero percent. But because there's three, gives you the luxury to do some different things. And you can start to consider uh, other positions that maybe you normally wouldn't consider. Um, and that's the other reason. But, I'm, you know, it's very, very unlikely now. Maybe, maybe I should go to one percent because I guess they're – my feeling is – uh, they're not taking them at uh, 15. They're not taking them at six. They're not taking them at 19. If it just so happens that someone is desperate to move up and how he drops down into the later stages of the first round and adds an extra pick, let's say at number 29, Philadelphia Eagles are on the board after having traded with whoever the hell's at number 29. Um, and he's still sitting there at 29. Then maybe my prayers are answered and they take Nicobe Dean. But that's the only way that it happens. It, it'd have to be later in the first round. I don't think it's going to be with any one of their picks. It would have to be after an Eagle trade down. All right, Jay Mack, I know I sent you a text about this over the weekend, and it's the answer you gave me then is still the answer now. So have you seen the numbers on Mr. Barnett's deal yet? Uh, when oh, we were on no, here no. last week, we <laughs> knew that he had resigned. We had heard it was reported that it was a two-year deal, but exactly zero financial numbers have been put out as far as Barnett's deal goes. And like you and I discussed last week, when something like that happens, that usually is a very good sign for the team because the agents are the ones who are always motivating to get the deal out there and look good as soon as possible, which means this is a very compromised deal for Derek Barnett. I'm still not happy that he's back. I don't think he's going to give him anything. I think he's been an overrated and underperforming player his entire career. But the more and more we wait to find out the de- the numbers on this deal, it seems to uh, look like the Eagles have made themselves a pretty good deal. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, we're not going to know these numbers, and that's what I texted you until they get filed with the union uh, and they become sort of semi-public uh, through the database there. And my guess is it's going to be really a one-year deal from the Eagles' standpoint and that uh, they can get out of it after another year, but considering, uh, you know, the agent, which is Drew Rosenhaus, the fact that the numbers were not made available, uh, it'll likely reflect his decreasing role. It will likely deflect, uh, reflect his um, lesser stature on the team. And again, I think that's where you and I have the disconnect. Look, I think he's a great fourth defensive end. You, you brought up last week, well, if he plays 66 or whatever it was, 64% of the snaps, yeah, I think it's a bad signing. But I don't think he's going to play 64% of the snaps. I think he's the fourth defensive end. I think that's the plan, and I think the contract is going to reflect that. But if he does play that much, then I'm with you. Yeah, I don't want him back. If he gets paid like a starter, I don't want him back. But I, I'm – I, I just said uh, 97% sure they're not going to take a linebacker. I'm going to go 99.92 that he's not paid like a starting defensive end. Um, I'm pretty confident 
the the contract is going to reflect the role. And the role, I think, is going to be as a rotational defensive end. And I'm fine with it. That's good depth um, compared to to what you could have in this league. Uh, So, again, you know, it's weird. Unfortunately, he'll always have that stamp of being a first-round pick. And I just talked about 2017, you know. You know, he was number he was who the Eagles picked in 2017, number 14 overall. So, you know, to rewind to, to fast forward, excuse me, in five years, and now he's a rotational defensive end on the same team, that's not good. Um, but if you put him in another team as a fourth defensive end, you'd say that's pretty good. So, you know, that's the way the Eagles are thinking. Um We'll see how it works out. Obviously, the fan base, the majority of the fan base doesn't like him, doesn't like the signing. But, you know, the old, right, what's so, the old saying, Jody? If you listen to the fans, you'll be sitting, with, sitting them with them. Up. Yes. Um, but here's the one question I'll ask you before we get our first guest up. Who is game day Kratz on a Monday? It must be a Monday night game for the Eagles. Um, <laughs> we, Eddie was out of the rotation last week. We usually get him up once a week. Uh, so it'll be good to get him back on today. Um if we're both leaning toward the fact that they're not taking a linebacker in the first round, uh, they probably weren't anyway, but now they have this signing. So it makes it less likely. Um, here's what scares me a little bit. I thought uh, edge pass rusher was, was one of the very high choices uh, possibilities that Eagles going to use one of their three first round pack picks on again, if they use all three first round picks, that's yet to be seen. I'm with the signing of Hassan Reddick and with the uh, return of Derek Barnett. I'm thinking they're passing on a defensive pass rusher in that first round. And that's why I don't like the Barnett signing because I think it might move them off picking a very effective young uh, first year rookie, four years of high intensity pass rush. That scares me a little bit. Do you still think, well, give me the percentage chance the Eagles take an edge pass rusher in the first round? No, I, I still think there's a very good chance they take an edge pass rusher. My my issue now, though, is the Ojabo injury creates. Like, I think there might be those top five now. It's the, from five to six. I think they might all be gone by 15. I think it could go that quickly with those five particular guys. So then you got to start talking about trading up. Or, or going to that sort of second level as edge rusher, maybe David Ojabo in the second round. But the fact that um, the fact that Brandon Graham is 34, I mean, it, it's got to be about more than this season. I don't think it's going to affect them at all. And if they do stay at 15 and one of those five guys are available, would either be Johnson or Karloftis, uh, I think the Eagles would still pounce, and that would be probably uh, maybe it's fallen to the number two position. Uh, if, if interior defensive line, I talked about that nose tackle, but Jordan Davis is not going to be there, right? So if you uh, if you take Davis and Thibodeau and Hutchinson off the board, the well, top Walker three. take Walker off the board. Now there's talk in this league that Walker is going to be top five. Davis is interior. Walker. Well, I, I meant sorry. I meant Walker. Um, if the top three, who are you're right, probably all going to go in the top seven latest. Uh, I don't think you get any further than that. They may come. You you might be right. You're suggesting three pass rushers come off in the first five picks. 
It's possibility. I, I would say seven. You've put, I, seven. I think Thibodeau is going to be the third one off the board now. I think Walker's going to go before Thibodeau. Okay. Um, and then Thibodeau is going to go up. So you're going to have three in the top seven at worst case scenario, three in the top 10. And then what happens, teams that need edge rushers panic and they try to go and they look at, well, Philadelphia needs an edge rusher. They might jump ahead of them. Then you got to start talking about making sure you can get a Johnson or a Carl Loftus. If you're going to sit there at 15, there's a really good chance that that nobody is there. Nobody's right. sitting there. At, so at let, let me make this statement and you tell me if this statement holds water and then we'll get Ed Kratz up. If the Eagles are sitting there with their first pick, they haven't made any moves. Um, and the draft board has one of those defensive ends, Carl Loftus or uh, Johnson still sitting there. If they well, uh, let me state it this way. If they're both gone, if you're right, all five are gone by the time the Eagles come up. On the draft board. If they wanted one of them, they would have had to trade up to get They can't get it. Then that makes the Barnett signing a good signing because, yes, you need an edge pass rusher. You're going to take one in the second round now or reach for one. That's not as good a bet. It's a good thing you've got Barnett. If one of them is there and the Eagles take them anyway, like you're suggesting, then it's also a good sign. It's not a necessity of a signing, but you don't really know. And Barnett's probably going to get buried on the depth chart. And then we might look at the $5 million deal if that's what he signs for and go, really? We had to spend $5 million for him to play. He goes from 60 plus percent of the snaps to 20% of the snaps. Now you're just throwing money away. So it becomes almost a push. But if a defensive lineman is there, one of the five that you mentioned, which is really only one of the two, because we acknowledge the first three are probably out of the Eagles reach. If one of those two guys are there, and the Eagles pass on them twice with their two first-round picks, will you then jump on board with me and go, it was that damn Barnett signing. They think they're okay at defensive end. They don't really believe they need another defensive end now, and then we can go back and revisit and go, yeah, the Barnett signing was okay. Yeah, if both of those guys are available and they pass on them both twice, yeah, I would – I would say, well, I would say, number one, they don't like the player for whatever reason. And, but I would be shocked. I would be shocked okay. if, if they would if they would pass on both of those guys twice. And I, I'd be shocked for two reasons, that the Eagles would pass on them and that they would both be available twice. I would be shocked. Well, two right now, they're back-to-back picks. So if they're yeah. available once, they're available well, I meant twice. Because it's, it's one pick after another. Yeah, I meant fifth. The, the fact that right now I don't think either of them is getting to fifteen. To be okay. honest, we, so. we'll see. That's the the fun of waiting up until the draft. We need to wait no more for the return of Ed Kratz. He's going to join us next here on Birds Three Sixty Five. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. 
so good it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald, and this is our favorite Eagles beat reporter for Sports Illustrated. Oh, damn, that would make McMullen number two. Maybe uh, I couldn't say clearly that. Clearly number two in Jody McDonald's eyes. I have no problem with that. Ed's better. Ed's a better guy than me. Ed's a better person than me, so I have no problem with that. That'll be uh, the, the one thing we can all agree, the three of us are follically challenged. No <laughs> one can stand him and go, yeah, but I got better hair. Well, no, that's completely irrelevant in this conversation. Mr. Kratz, didn't have you last week. What the hell did you do in your life for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, I can't really quite remember, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, hey, it's an honor to uh, kick off the week here with you guys. It's my pleasure to, you know, join you here bright and early on Monday morning. Yeah, we're missing the AFC coaches meetings, Ed. It's exciting stuff down in uh, Palm Beach. More exciting because it's thinking 30 degrees up here. So it would be yeah. nice and to be in Palm Beach. But um, it's interesting because you did something at Sports Illustrated about the Eagles uh, in the first round of the draft. And, you know, you talked about the moving up and moving down, which I think is becoming uh, more of a possibility, more of a likelihood is, I guess, the better word. Always, you know, thought that there's no way that Howie's going to stay at all three, 15, 16, and 19. But you had an interesting take in that they might go up at first, and then they might go down uh, with that third pick. So kind of flesh that out for us. Yeah, I just, I just think that this draft is so deep. Uh, and there are so many, you know, potential starters in this draft that you can find them, you know, throughout the first three or four rounds, I think. Um, so, you know, teams will be looking to trade. And we say this every year that 
you know, in the draft, teams are going to move around and then we don't see a whole lot of action. But I think this could be a draft where we see some wheeling and dealing going on. Um, and the Eagles will be right in that mix. And, you know, Howie always likes to trade up. And I, I fully suspect, kind of like last year when they had their eyes on, I think it was five players that they wanted, you know, two of them were cornerbacks, uh, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan, the third um, you know, and those four of those five came off the board in the first nine picks. And that's why they traded up with Dallas to get one. They wanted to make sure they got one of those players. And that turned out to be Devontae Smith. He was on that list along with Kyle Pitts. Um, and, and I kind of feel like there's going to be a similar situation this year where they're going to trade up. And you look at who's sitting at number 10 and it's it's Joe Douglas, you know, the worked here in Philadelphia, obviously, for four years with Howie Roseman. And I I know, I've been told that the Jets do want to trade back a little bit. And I think it just makes sense that the Eagles could be there ready to jump to 10. And I even pondered in this story you're talking about, John, that could they even trade up to number four if they're so in love with one of these quarterbacks? And we know quarterback stocks always rise uh, with the draft as it approaches. And, you know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and even Matt Coral are getting a lot of love. And I've seen mock drafts where three of those guys go in the top 10 with the Falcons trading in, the Lions taking one. I mean, you're talking about, I heard your conversation earlier about pass rushers or edge rushers not being there at 15. I think you have to factor in uh, the quarterbacks in this draft. Who Who's going to take it? Yeah, somebody's going to get pushed up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If not two of those quarterbacks. And I think the Eagles, if they love Kenny Pickett, they could go all the way up to four with the Jets to try. To I, see, grab. I see. Yeah. Jody's shaking his head. See, I think, and I told you this, Ed, as you know, everybody makes a big deal out about, you know, Howie Roseman with the binoculars looking at Kenny Pickett. Who were they playing on that day? They were playing North Carolina. Yeah. I think the Eagles like Sam Howell. I think they're more likely to trade down from 19. Now, they want to stay in the top 32 uh, because you want that 50-year option when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, But I think they might shock people with the Sam Howell. And I see Jody, and I'll throw Jody that as well. Look, these quarterback stocks, man, you, you can't get caught up in the social media group thing because the NFL teams look different. And you look at it like this time, you know, going into this year's process, who were the top quarterbacks? The top quarterbacks you heard of early, early were Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Right. Well, Spencer Rattler's now in South Carolina, I think, trying to re- reclimate his career after losing his job at Oklahoma. Obviously, Sam took a lot of hits after he lost, uh, you know, Javante Williams, who I love, and Dynami Brown and Michael Carter, and they had another receiver that got drafted um, and and kind of took a hit. But I think NFL teams think a little bit more of Sam Howell than maybe, for lack of better term, draft Twitter. Same thing with Kenny Pickett, same thing with Malik Willis. Well, listen, you don't have to sell me on Sam Howe. It's Jody Mack there you have to sell on Sam Howe. I, I tell me all of them. None of them can play. None of them are franchise quarterbacks. <laughs> Why the hell are you going to move into the top half of the first half? To somebody's get Sam going Donald? to. That's somebody's going acquiring. to. 
if you get one of these guys in the draft this year, Sam Darnold, how's that working out for the Jets and the Carolina Panthers? Hey, I, I saw, uh, I think it was Field Yates who covers the NFL. He put out a tweet a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, that there were 29 quarterbacks taken in the first round of the draft. Yeah, none of them. Was- yeah, none of them are with their original teams. Yeah. yeah, I mean, which is really kind of amazing when you look at it. And this draft could be that situation. Some, you know, like I, Jody, you know how teams fall in love with these quarterbacks as, as the draft approaches. And I fully expect that we'll see maybe two of these guys go in the top ten. So listen, I'm not saying the Eagles are going to go up to number four. I think it's a big leap for the Philadelphia Eagles. They would really have to love one of these quarterbacks. And Sam Howe, it's way too early for him. But you have to keep an eye on the Steelers and the Falcons trading up to try to land a quarterback because they need a quarterback. Say what you want about Marcus Mariota in Atlanta and Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh. They need quarter, a quarterback they do, they do for the need future. That, that, that I would agree with. And if they overdrafted at the quarterback position, I wouldn't be surprised because they're doing so because they're kind of in the desperate need. The Eagles aren't. Uh, just my personal opinion, and again, taking the Eagles at their word, they have verbally backed Jalen Hurts throughout this entire offseason. I think Jalen Hurts did more than enough to merit another year. I quote, hey, if if Trevor Lawrence was available this year, I'd be moving heaven and earth to try and get up there and get him if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no Trevor Lawrence in this draft. So the Eagles are playing their cards right by staying with you. They got involved in uh, – Russell Wilson, they tried to no, sorry, he's not coming. They inquired about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he wants no part of Philadelphia. They they certainly looked into upgrading the quarterback <laughs> position. Moving up to number four to take Kenny Pickett is not uh improving the quarterback position, not for this year, next year, or the year after. Well, then you know, I have them trading up actually to number 10. I think four is a little too steep. I, they're I, taking I'm, a quarterback, Eddie? No, no, no. I think they're going to go with Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner okay. out of Cincinnati. I think sense. it would have been interesting last year had Devontae Smith gone at number nine to whoever it was, I guess Carolina or Denver, whoever picked. I think it was Denver. I, I think, think it was eight, eight, nine. Carolina picked Horn, and then Denver took uh, Sir, Sir Tan. Sir it would have been interesting to see had someone taken Smith Devontae Smith, either Carolina or Denver there. The Eagles trade up to take one of those cornerbacks because I know they wanted a cornerback. Yeah, they did. And, and I fully suspect that, you know, Sauce Gardner is considered the best one uh, in this draft uh, at corner. So I, I think they're going to try to trade up to 10 to take Sauce Gardner, give up their 15th overall to the Jets and throw in maybe, you know, a third rounder, maybe a third rounder as well next year or a later round pick this year. But the Jets have so many picks this year that I would think they'd want something next year. But I think it would cost a third rounder to do that. I think they go up for the cornerback. Uh, well, let, let me ask you this, Ed. You just laid out the potential scenario. Would you rather have Sauce Gardner or and whatever other draft compensation you have to add to get him at number 10 or just sit tight and take a, a Booth or a Stingley? Assuming one or the two are there, and John and I just did a whole thing about the edge pass rushers and the Eagles getting shortchanged because they all come off the board. I don't think all three of those cornerbacks are coming off the board by 15. Certainly Gardner. I got to add McDuffie in there as well. Uh, Because I got got the Eagles taking McDuffie at 15. I think he'll be there. Do you think think McDuffie's better than Booth and Stingley, John? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think McDuffie is my second best corner behind Gardner. Yeah, okay. I I think he's cleaner. I think he's 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 more ready to play. Um, 
and I've talked to some 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 scouts who, you know, he's one of those. He's a West Coast guy, obviously, and people are going to balk in Philadelphia because they think everything's the same. And the Eagles took Sidney Jones from Washington, but different type of corner. Um, and I think he's one of the safer prospects. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. Stingley's probably got a bigger upside, uh, but uh, I think he's going to have some issues early in his career. Um, and then I just, I think he's, a, I think he's, I think he's, they're both better than Booth would be my personal uh, grading. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think the Eagles want length at that position and the best player with length is, Ahmed Gardner, and that's why I think they would probably put him above the others. If we have a chance to go get him, let's go get him. Now, listen, Jordan Davis could be on the board still uh, at number 10, but I think this draft is is pretty deep at defensive tackle, and I think they t- turn around and use their 16th pick on one, which I laid out in my story. It would be, I think, Devontae Wyatt uh, from Georgia at 16 because I think Davis would be gone between 10 and 16. Um, but, you know, you talk about Booth, and I, I think he's – he doesn't have the length, the great length. And I don't think McDuffie has the length either that the Eagles would want. I think that the guys with length are uh, Stingley, who I think the player comp with him is Stefan Gilmore. You know, he's a six foot, six foot and a half cornerback uh, with pretty long arms. But Ahmad Gardner certainly fits that length, Bill. So I think those are the two corners you have to look at. If you sit at 15 and you want a corner, then Stingley, I think, would be the guy if he's still there. But I think they really want to go up. And, you know, they have a history with the University of Cincinnati. I've taken some very good players from there, obviously. Trent Cole, Brent Selleck, Jason Kelsey, um, you know, to name a couple there. So I, I think they go up and try to get that corner, stay put at 16, take your tackle. And then with 19, you know, I was trying to look around to see if there's any teams that might be willing to part with a first-round pick next year because there seems to be a lot of talk about the Eagles wanting to get another first rounder in 2023 to kind of couch their bets on Jalen Hurts, giving them more ammunition to take, you know, one of these quarterbacks that are perceived to be better than this class, CJ Stroud or, you know, Bryce Young. And I think John and you and I talked about Bryce Young, man, he's a little, he's a pretty frail guy. Yeah. I saw him at the Maxwell Awards. He's really small. Yeah. Which is, which is one thing, you know, we talk about the quarterbacks. One thing I, 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 one thing I should have mentioned is sort of the shift in the NFL. Like, you know, once you get off that first year rookie contract and it's a good example with Jalen Hurts, but even more so take a Kyler Murray as an example as an undersized quarterback, number one, overall, um, very talented kid. I don't think any of us would, would disagree with that, but you see, he's already talking about extension. Do you want to play pay Kyler Murray 40 plus million dollars a year? I don't know. So I think this NFL's, I think there's going to be more teams shifting to this mentality of, of college where it's like you got four years and then, you know, now red shirts five, but whatever. And you turn it over, um, you know, when you have that cost effective quarterback until you get the true superstar, obviously if you get the true superstar, you have to pay him. Well, what, what is the use of paying a guy who's average or a little bit above average $40 million and then you can't build the, the, the rest of your roster. So I think the NFL is going to start shifting in that direction. And that's another reason why guys like Willis and Pickett will get pushed up the board a little bit. Think them off base on base, both of you chime in. All right. I'll go first. Which 
of those quarterbacks you just threw out there who are going to be drafted this year are going to be the equivalent of Kyler Murray? Um, probably, probably not. None. Thank you very but, much. But but the part you're not, yeah. But the part you're not getting, Jody, is uh, at a rookie cost-effective deal versus forty plus million. That's my question. Uh, What's better? Understood. But Kyler Murray, before he gets his new deal done, will have won how many playoff games for the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, probably zero. Zero. So you, you're telling me, let's turn the franchise over to a guy who we don't think is good as a quarterback who has won zero playoff games in the first four years in the NFL. Yeah, but it's not only about the quarterback. Like maybe you could build a team a different way and have a better defense or a better offensive well, line. Why, why hasn't Arizona done that yet with Murray in there if they had the chance to take well, advantage because, of his rookie deal? Well, like, everything's about evaluation, but the fact they haven't been able to do it on his rookie deal gives you a pretty clear indication they're not going to be able to do it when they got to pay the quarterback 40 plus million dollars. Yeah, so that's true. That's, that's, that's the kind of but that's very true, Johnny Mack. Yeah, that's the kind of purgatory I'm talking about. So that's why I think NFL teams are going to shift to and 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 Murray's a dip Murray's probably the most difficult decision because he's a really good player. Um it becomes less difficult when you have quarterbacks. I'll go down to Kirk Cousins of the world, the Derek Carrs of the world, the Jalen Hurts of the world. If you got to pay those guys thirty-five, forty million dollars, would you rather have Kenny Pickett on a rookie deal and see if he see if he's better than we think he is for four years and try to do with that? And if he's not, roll it over again and get somebody else. Is it crazy? Not- I don't think it's crazy at all. I I really don't think the Eagles are out on Kenny Pickett at all. I mean, I if he's sitting there at 15, which he won't be, I could see them taking Kenny Pickett at 15, but he'll go earlier than that. It's just a question of whether you like him, because I agree. I think especially when you factor in now Deshaun Watson getting a guaranteed $230 million, you know, they don't guarantee contracts in the NFL that often. That's where you, that's baseball guarantees contracts. So, you know, once you start guaranteeing that kind of money to quarterbacks, then, yeah, you're going to have to really keep rolling it over. You have four years to audition as the quarterback to get your contract. And, you know, Kenny Pickett, to me, has the size. He's 6'3", 215. He's able to get the ball out quick, which I think Nick Sirianni is intrigued by. So I got to see his small hands at dinner if he could (laughs) handle the – The steak knife? Yeah, the steak knife, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure – that that's really that big of an issue. I mean, you know, he played in a cold weather city um, in Pittsburgh. So I, you know, listen, I'm not so sure the Eagles are out on Kenny Pickett, to be honest. I, I, I'll i still stand by. I don't think there's any way the Eagles are taking yeah. a quarterback in the first round. All right. And more recently, the Eagles signed Kazir White linebacker from the Chargers over yeah. the weekend. It's the first since the sign Reddick, the, the return of several players to the Eagles have not excited me one iota. This one does give me a little upside uh, excitement for the birds. They needed a game, uh, uh, I don't want to say game-breaking, but a playmaking linebacker, and certainly he did that last year for Sandy, for uh, Los Angeles. Fourth most tackles in the NFL. Uh, scale of A-plus to F, how would you grade the linebacker signing for the Eagles this weekend? Uh, if I had to put a letter grade, I'd give it a good solid B. Um, you know, I, I – remember when the chargers came here 
I don't know when it was, maybe a couple of years ago, and he was all over the field, Kaiser White. He made eight tackles. Yeah, this past year, they played the Chargers at the yeah. Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, right. So, he, you know, and he had a really good game, eight tackles. I think he did a good job down on the goal line, forcing a, you know, a turnover on downs when the Eagles were in the red zone, uh, made a play. I mean, I, you know, I like the kid. I think he's a good player, but, you know, I, I think he'll do well on this team. But, you know, how many years, and I've said this on your show, I'm so tired of these one-year linebacker contracts uh, with these players that just so far they really haven't worked out, right? You could go down the list of, of linebackers they signed to one-year deals and they haven't worked out. And, you know, now you have a guy coming in who had 144 tackles on a defense that wasn't really good. Let's face it, the Chargers defense wasn't one of the best in the NFL. Um, so, you know, to me, I'm more of the mindset of let's let's go find somebody that you can stay here for four years. All right, and and I, got, I got an idea for you, buddy. The Philadelphia Eagles at number 15 draft. N'Kobe Dean rather than Kenny Pickett. If you want a linebacker who's going to be here for a couple of years, why don't you use that number 15 pick on a kid who's going to be a dominant player? Jody, I had him taking Devin Lloyd in my first mock draft. I, you know, I, I'm with him, man. I think they need to draft a linebacker that can stick around for a few years and, and, and not go this one year, year to year thing with a linebacker. You know, it, it's kind of like duct tape, man. You're just putting duct tape over that position and, you know, I like Kaiser White. I'm not saying he's going to be that. Maybe they actually get it right this time, and he plays well enough to earn a, a second contract with the Eagles. But, again, me, I'm going out and drafting somebody in the first round. When you have two players like Dean, I would take Dean for sure or Devin Lloyd. But they just don't They just don't see it that way. And there's good linebackers you can get in the second round, Chad Muma and uh, Raekwon Walker from Georgia. I mean, there are players you can take early in the draft. And for some reason, the Eagles aren't going to do it. You know, they love Davion Taylor. Um, don't love his injury history, obviously, but you know, they spent a third round pick on him, which was good. Um, but let's, let's bring somebody of pedigree in here first round and start building that position with some homegrown guys. I'm with you. I, I, I want a home. Well, usually, Ed, usually I'm the negative guy. Like I, I feel like at times I'm the only person in town who looks at T.J. Edwards and go, look, the Eagles got lucky, but this kid can play. Like, why? Because he's undrafted coming out of Wisconsin. And we talk about pedigree all the time. People dismiss him. I mean, he's good. The Eagles are good with T.J. Edwards. They're fine. They're looking for the other guy. They don't need anybody. If you played like T.J. Edwards did last season, the Eagles are completely, complete. I think pro football focus had him as the 10th best linebacker in football. Number 10. That's how well he played when he took over that spot. And by the way, I think they had Kaiser White at number 20. So if you all of a sudden, you have two of the better linebackers, at least last year. Now everything moves forward. You got to do it again, especially if you're undrafted. Uh, and maybe there's concern. But, boy, he's so instinctive. I don't think you're going to see a, a dramatic dip in uh, play from T.J. Edwards. Why have not Eagles fans realized they got a pretty good player at linebacker? I think he has limitations. I think T.J. Edwards has limitations. He can't cover very well. I don't think he's good at playing in, you know, you know, in space. He's very good at getting to the, to the ball. 
but I just think he has some limitations in coverage and we've seen tight ends. True. Just everything's about coverage. Everything's about coverage until this, you need, I yeah. tell Jody every day during March, nobody gets nobody a crap about, about the running game. <laughs> and now the Eagles have, now the Eagles have at 238, you know, we can say he's 240. He's really 235, 238, maybe Uh guy trying to uh, set the edge in Hassan Reddick. We got a 218-pound off-ball linebacker used to play safety. You better have T.J. Edwards in there. You better have T.J. Somebody's got to stop the run at some point. Or mm-hmm. or people are, you know, Zach Martin's still in this division. And if you got a Hall of Fame guard kicking out, it's going to be pretty easy for him if you don't have T.J. Edwards out there. Um, I, well, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Listen, they, they didn't think that much of him. They only gave him a one-year contract extension. I mean, if they I think loved, he got two. Didn't he? TJ got two. No, I think it was one. I think he got one year. Well, one. I think it was one. But um, yeah, listen, I just think, yeah, he's yeah. a good – Well, let, let's see if we get this right, and one of us can look it up real fast. He had a year to go on his deal, did he not? And it was a yeah, one-year extension after that. So yeah. I think he's got two more years to run this year and next. When you say contract extension, wasn't like they just got his deal done this year. I think going into 2022, he's got two years left on his contract. Because that that that's that's a viable uh, stat to have, piece of information to have, if you're going to evaluate how much the Eagles are committed to him. Uh, I know they did an extension with him. I think it was one year still to go, and then they tacked another year on. Uh, yeah, back. they got all the voidable years, yeah. So, I mean, but one thing, you know, how he's good at, we all know this, he's not going to – if he doesn't have to pay a guy, he's not going to pay a guy. And you're talking about uh, T.J. Edwards is not, uh, you know, unrestricted at the time. So the fact that they gave him an extension, he was in that group with people, you know, they identified early and and kept him around a little bit longer. Now he's on a different timetable because he was an undrafted free agent, as opposed to the they get three years as opposed to the four years uh, draft picks are in. So you get the Josh Sweats and the Dallas Goddards and the uh, Avante Maddox and who else? Jordan Jordan Mailata. Um, you know, they identified their core players and they extended them early. And that's one of the things where people talk about free agency and they were disappointed about the first 10 days until the Kaiser White signing. Well, yeah, but the Eagles identified the players they wanted. They extended them early. You do have to give them credit for that. I know that upset a lot of people and they thought, oh, the Eagles are telling all the beat writers. They didn't tell us that. We're just telling you that because it's true. That's, you know, if Jordan Mailata hit free agency, he would be a franchise player. If Josh Sweat hit free agency, he would have got paid. He would have got paid significantly. I'm talking Hassan Reddick level money. Um, if, if, if Dallas Goddard hit free agency, he, the Eagles would have had to franchise him. And Avante Maddox, lesser paid position, but slot corner he would have been one of the top paid slot corners in the nfl so that is a part of it and a part of free agency and the fact that the eagles target the players they think have upside and they targeted tj edwards different level different position not as valuable but that says something about tj 
Yeah, TJ can make tackles. I mean, he was second on the team this past year, but their first top tackler is now off the team, Alex Singleton, the last two years. He's gone. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just – let's, you know, let's address this position in the draft. Let's get a guy in here with cost certainty for X amount of years. Let him grow. You know, they don't have a backup for TJ Edwards. I mean, I guess Sean Bradley would be the guy that would step into the middle if he were to get hurt, whereas I think Lloyd can play inside and outside and maybe even Dean, too, to an extent could – downshift into the middle um but i you know kaiser white can't play the middle i don't think davion yeah. taylor can play the middle um so i don't know i'm just of the mindset is you know let's stop throwing these one-year deals at the wall and hope one of them sticks let's bring somebody in especially one with pedigree i mean michael parsons would have been great right last year oh yeah i yeah. mean you know that, they're, they're guys different. that you know, i think I think Dean and Lloyd will be pretty good. You know, they could have had Patrick Queen, who's down in Baltimore, tearing it up. You know, they could have taken him. They could have taken Kenneth Murray. So I think it's been a bit of a disappointment in, in San Diego or at Los Angeles with the Chargers. But, um, you know, I just think, listen, you, you know, you're going to have to spend at that position sooner or later in the draft. And the Eagles just for some reason just continue to frustrate me and so many others for not doing it. All right, they last one for me. Uh, this offseason, we've seen two of the, I would say, three best wide receivers in the National Football League, certainly two of the best five, in Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill get traded. Trading wide receivers has become something that we're not used to in the NFL, but this offseason it's happened. There are still some good wide receivers out there that you may question the fit with their team now. Devonta Parker with the Dolphins. Are the Seahawks even going to try and be competitive this year? What are they going to do with their two wide receivers? Are the Eagles going to be able to make a big deal around the draft? If it's going to happen, I think it's probably going to wait till the draft now. With their extra capital as far as draft picks go, are they going to get a veteran wide receiver? Because, I'm sorry, Zach Pascal just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Well, I think what Zach Pascal gives you, though, is, you know, a competent receiver, uh, somebody who can catch. wide receiver four, right? That's what he is. He's a four. Yeah. You know, on this team, he would be a three. probably. No, I, that, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be moving. A th We're already moving Quez from a three to a two. We don't need to move Zach from a four to a three just because, in other words, they need a two receiver to put everybody in their proper position. Yeah, they do. It's the well, domino. Effect. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think Pascal gives you something like say they were maybe the Eagles now feel comfortable drafting Jamison Williams from Alabama, you know, a kid that is not going to be ready to play at the start of the year, but maybe he is, you know, halfway through October or November. But Pascal gives you a guy that's kind of an insurance policy until you get Jamison Williams back. I love Jamison Williams at Alabama this year. I thought he was the best receiver in the draft. And I, you know, he still might be. Um, but, you know, I maybe that's what he does. Maybe the Eagles say, now we can go get him because we have somebody. And they maybe they think Pascal is the veteran receiver. He's 27 years old. He's been in the league four years. This will be his fifth year. He's caught 15 touchdown passes in four seasons, which is, you know, that's a pretty significant number, 15 TDs. That's almost four a year uh, since coming into the league as an undrafted free agent. I'm not sure if you're going to get a receiver. They had a deal lined up with Calvin Ridley, right? They were probably going to get Calvin yeah. Ridley. So it does tell you they want a, a, a receiver. And I'm sure they're not satisfied with Pascal. But then who, you know, who's out there that that kind of fits that bill? I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe you can think of somebody, but Jarvis Landry to me, I'm not sure he's a fit. He, there's a rumor he wanted $20 million a year. $20 million, I mean, yeah. Oh. Please. Yeah. Uh, 
again, receivers a position where maybe you need to just draft guys and yeah. get them on the cheap and develop them into the receivers that then be ready to strike with their second contract after four years when they prove they can play. Because you look at some of these numbers these receivers are getting and these trades that are taking place, and it's hard to compete in that arena, you know, if, if you're the Eagles and so many other teams. So yeah. I'm not sure who's out there, to be honest, to, to go out right. and get. Ed Kratz at side.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Eagles today, by the way, rebranding Eagles today. You can read Ed there. Uh, you can read me there if you so choose. Um, last one for me, Ed, last one overall. Uh, Quest Watkins, sort of what I was talking about. To me, that's the bigger issue than Zach Pascal. Yeah, Jody, I don't want Zach Pascal playing. But if you got to throw out him out, there's the slot receivers, the wide receiver three. Kind of the disconnect for, like, people don't think T.J. Edwards can play, but a lot of people think Quez Watkins can play. If you go into a season with Quez Watkins as your wide receiver two in the NFL, you are setting up Jalen Hurts for failure. Is that too harsh, or uh, am I on the right path? The Eagles think Quez Watkins is good, and that was one of the things they said about Jalen Hurts is they want to see him grow with the receivers that are here, and he's demonstrated that with Quez Watkins. He's demonstrated it with Devontae Smith, so now they're hoping they can take the next leap with Quez as the number two. Um, and, and we'll see. I don't know if they look at it as they're setting him up for failure. It's certainly not what they gave Tua, Tua down there in Miami to work with. You know, no, it certainly is not. No, but, you know, they, they believe in Quez. And, you know, you had your number two go for over 600 yards in an offense that was mostly run-based. Uh, and they like that. And they feel like he can be uh, your number two. And I, do we agree with it? And I haven't seen the body of work. Same with T.J. Edwards, like you said, that demonstrates, yeah, he can be the number two. Um, I would like to see more with Jalen Hurts. I'd like to see them give him – more weapons obviously i don't think they're purposely setting him up to fail i think they legitimately tried to bring well, in. well they tried to bring yeah, in receivers yeah in. so they so, identify it but i i do yeah. think there's this sort of comfort with quez watkins and i personally i don't understand it not mm -hmm. not with the eagles with with the fan base and that's i don't necessarily understand it yeah, I, I, I want to see it again. I, you know, I'm always of the, okay, you did it once. Now let's see if you can do it twice. And, you know, we've seen receivers like Travis Fulgham have a great stretch and then just yeah. kind of fall off the map. So um, we have to see Quez do it again. And I, I think he can, but I can't say 100%. Yeah, he can. Um, I'm sure him and Jalen Hurts are probably getting together and throwing passes together in the offseason. Um but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I, I I believe in him. I think he can do it. But again, I just can't say that with one hundred percent certainty. Eddie Kratz, always a pleasure. We appreciate you joining us. We'll certainly be uh, looking to stream you on in next week as well. Maybe something breaks when the owners' meetings. Big Eagle move. Either way, we'll be reading about it on SI with you, and we'll get you back here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Ed Kratz here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. McMullen and McDonald. We'll come back, a couple more Eagle issues. We're going to start something we're going to do over the course of the week. We're going to try and get someone on from each of the three towns with the three teams that are in the NFC East. We're breaking down what the Eagles are doing here in free agency or haven't gotten done yet. We'll take a look at the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders as well. We'll do the first of those drop-ins today, heading down to Big D. 
John Machoda, Dallas uh, writer for The Athletic, is going to hop aboard with us coming up in about 20 minutes here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy sh... And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Monday get together here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel where we hope you are. Liking, subscribing, sharing, doing all the right things by your buddies and your boys, McMullen and McDonald, your Mac and Mac Birds 365 gentlemen. Um, as I mentioned just before the break, we're going to do a little bounce around to the division over the course of the week, check in on what the Cowboys have or have not done, the Giants have or have not done, the Commanders have done, brought in Carson Wentz, and we'll see how that works out for him. I uh, want to check in with all the division matchups that the Eagles 
will account for six of their 16 games this year. So we'll start in Dallas. John Machado, who's been on the show before, outstanding beat writer for The Athletic, is going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. But we got a couple minutes before John jumps aboard. I got another uh, Birds question for you, Johnny Mac. Jarvis Landry, $20 million? Well, that's what he said. I mean, he's not getting it. I, you know, hey, shoot for the stars. I mean, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things. You know, I think you asked me last week, who would I rather have, Jarvis Landry or Devontae Parker? And I think Jarvis Landry's a better player, but I don't think he's, uh, you know, it's a potential for the Eagles for a couple reasons. One, he wants way too much money. Now he's not going to get it. So ultimately, I was going to say, we, they, we, we, we go, matter. okay, yeah. Jarvis. And yeah. Then we start to figure out exactly what he is going to command on the open market. You want to ballpark a figure for me? That's, you know, that's a good, how do you ballpark that? Right. I, it, I think it, I'm in the seven, I'm, 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 I'm in the seven, eight million range, maybe. Right. I was going to say 10 tops. Yeah. If he's asking for Probably, 20, if he gets 10, I would say, ooh, nice deal. Um, I would say somewhere in that range, but it does give you that mindset of the receiver. Like he wants money. So if he's getting money, not only this year, but next year, he's got to catch the football. So we're in that disconnect with the Eagles, the type of offense they run and Devontae Parker, you just bring him with a trade and everything's copacetic, but I I do think Landry's a better player. I'm glad you went there, John, because every time you say this, I have to acknowledge that you're onto something but I just think it's oversold and and it's overstated. The Eagles can't get receivers because they're a running football team and Jalen Hurts still isn't proved enough. Did Devontae Adams not lead the best quarterback in the National Football League? He was playing with Brett Favre. It can't be any better than – it can't get any better than Brett Favre. Did he not talk himself out of Green Bay? If you're dictating where you're going to go by how am I going to get numbers and am I going to be getting it from a top-flight quarterback, it doesn't get any better than being Darren Rodgers, number one man in Green Bay, does it? Well, no, and I've said he made a mistake, but one thing I always say, Jody, it always comes down to individual situation as well. For whatever reason, he wants to play with his friend, he wants to play with his college teammate, who also is a high-volume passer, by the way, now, it's not going to be as good. I said it's not going to be as good as as it was in Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's making a mistake, but that's Devontae Adams' individual situation. Not coming to Philadelphia. Tyree Kills a nut, too, for wanting to go away from Patrick Hump- That's Mahomes. exactly where it's going next. Thank you for jumping the line for me, big Even guy. Even more so because he's not going to a high-volume passing offense. But then you get – I've also said this, Jody – you can do it. You can pull it off, but you got to pay a tax. You got to pay a tax and you got to give these monster deals out. And the Eagles haven't been willing to overpay. Well, then maybe Jarvis Landry is worth $10 million. Maybe you only well, think you of him as an $8 million player you got, and you, you pay the tax and you jump it up to 10 and you get yourself a legitimate veteran number two wide receiver. You got to pay the tax. And I haven't seen Howie Roseman, um, Showed that kind of uh, again. I used you know to who term- paid the tax this year, Johnny Mac, the Los Angeles Rams. F those draft picks. Let's go all in. Let's pay the tax. Let's go for it. Uh, I let's don't get. Really, let's go OBJ. Let that you, work out for them. You've heard me say all the time. I can't stand these. We're not ready, people. I can't stand it. 
I can't stand it. Everybody in this league is ready if you make the right decisions. Literally, everybody. You know, even Jacksonville. Look, I'm not going to say they're going to make a run to the Super Bowl, but if Trevor Lawrence takes off, when you see how quickly they get good. The point is you can't just sit around and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and say, okay, now it's the perfect time. Let me go get Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's available when he's available. Right. Like, And I'm not saying he would have considered playing here because he wouldn't have. But I'm saying that can't be your reason by saying we're not ready. We have to wait to get a player like that. Players like that become available when they become available. Deshaun Watson, you never see 26-year-old top-tier, top-five quarterbacks hit the open market. Obviously, it was a very unique circumstance. You can't just wait for it. You got to do what the Browns do, Britt did, or you don't. You make that decision. But you can't just say, well, wait. We got to wait because you don't know when it's coming up. You got to take advantage of the particular situation. I've said, I use the term discipline or not a lot. Most of the time it's good. There are times it's bad. And I've yet to see Howie Roseman prove he can be undisciplined. He's got to pay a tax right now at receiver if he wants a big time receiver. Or he's got to trade for one and he's trying to trade for one. Right. And the one trade that they were close on fell through and we know why. And while I say, oh, good job. But as soon as the trade falls through, the player gets suspended. You don't get any more points for trying. We aren't we aren't dealing with participation trophies here in the National Football League. It's nice to be able to say that uh, sources say they were that close to getting Calvin Ridley. Oh, but they didn't. So now they must do something. And if a tax is included, as John describes it, and I think it's an apt uh, way to describe it, so be it. You got to pay it. You may not like it. It may not fit your formula and or your algorithm, but sometimes you got to think outside that box. And I think the receiver position is one where the Eagles have to go. If I could get Jarvis Landry here for one year and $10 over what I just talked about with Ed Quez Watkins being my wife. I'll, I'll pay that tax. Right. I'll pay that tax. I'm trying. I'm trying. You have a chance to win this division. Um, in, in a year where there aren't great teams in the NFC, we've seen the exodus to the AFC, the AFC's the, the murderer's row. Even if you talk about Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady coming back, and you talk about Aaron Rodgers um, in Green Bay, you just mentioned, well, Aaron lost um, Devontae Adams. And uh, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, who got overpaid by yeah, the Chiefs. got overpaid, which is not going to affect him even minutely, but I hear what you're saying. They've lost a lot of players. they got to pay him even more money now, um, so it, they're less apt to get players. Tampa Bay loses, you know, 40% of their starting offensive line. And obviously at this stage of Tom's career, it's very important to protect them. Uh, and they don't have uh, Ali Marpet. They don't have Alex Kavha. Um, They were able to bring back Jensen. Werfs will be back. Um, but that's those are significant hits. Um, I mean, the NFC is not good. Uh, 
the Rams have taken significant hits uh, from their coaching staff to, to, to the roster. Um, there's an opportunity here. So I don't get the we're not ready crowd. I don't get them at all. Doesn't doesn't make any sense for me. And you're right, the NFC is much more wide open than you would have thought have been at the beginning of last year. So did the Eagles get aggressive and try and jump in and upgrade? Hey, we didn't, uh, you and I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Thought they'd be close to a 500 team, and they ended up just one game better than where we had them at. But that one game better made them a playoff team. Um, so that's something you need to build on, which means I would be aggressive in, in pursuit of another. If you're really going to stick by Jalen Hurts, all right, let, yeah, let me go there. Kratz was really wow. like They got Jalen Hurts. Wow. I get that. But still, yeah. they've talked up all season. He's their guy. You really believe they're in the quarterback market like Eddie did? I do, but where we differ is I think they're in the quarterback market at the bottom of the first round, not the top of the first round. Um, I think there is a, a very good chance that, look, I, I think option number one would be to trade out and get another first round pick in next year's draft and be better prepared for next year. I think that's option one, but I don't think that's as easy as people think it is. In fact, I know it's not as easy as people think it is, um, And then, you know, you have to sort of assume, like, even if you want to just pencil in Bryce Young and whoever else, um, you know, again, I talk about Sam House going from number one to, you know, bridge first, second round pick. Happened to Teddy Bridgewater back in the day. Happened happened to so many people, you know, oh, this guy's sure. The kid from Clemson, I mean, he played one game. Uh, I'll let you try his name because I always butcher it. You know, D- uh, DJ Uyunglele. Yeah, there. Nice job, Jeddy. Um, I, you know, people after one game, oh, he's going to be the first round pick. He's going to be the number one overall pick when he's eligible. Yeah, doesn't work that way. Um, and I mentioned Spencer Rattler last year. Um, doesn't work that way. Uh, so who knows where we are next year? Number one. Number two, you're also kind of assuming you're going to stink to be in a position, you know, you got to be to get up at the top of the draft, even if it it stays the same way. You're you're assuming you have a bad year, presumably, to take advantage of, of having two first round picks to jump up near the top of the draft. And hopefully the Eagles are not going to be that bad. They shouldn't be thinking they're going to be that bad. So. You know, I'm in what what I tried to explain to you and Ed. I'm I'm in that mode now, where I think, you know, the NFL is in this turnover period where the game and and the and the strategy, especially with these new age analytical front offices, is going to be a little bit different because people are not going to want to pay quarterbacks the level of Jalen Hurts thirty five to forty million dollars, and they're going to want to turn this over every four years until they find the superstar. Um, and how do you do that? You still want to be competitive. You want to service the two masters. You want to still be competitive. So you need that that first-round pick. Or, But I think it would be a bridge first, second-round pick. I do think you want to stay in the top 32 because you want that fifth-year option. Um, and that's the big difference between 32 and 33. So I think if they could trade down and they like a Matt uh, Corral or they like a Sam Howell, 
and I think they like Sam Howell better than Matt Corral from things I've been that, told. That would be that would be their first mistake. Either or. Uh, if you like a player like that, yeah, I think it's worth it. And but I, I, I agree with you. They're not going up at the top to get a quarterback. I was surprised by Eddie's take on that. Um, and one other – oh, I remember what I wanted to make. Uh, you said much easier said than done, trading out of a position to get to a first-round pick in the next year's draft, which makes a lot of sense for the Eagles if you believe next year's draft is going to be better at quarterback, which I do. Um, here's another thing that could be a hurdle the Eagles have to get over. I've talked to buddies who cover both the Jets and the Giants recently. Both of those two teams are considering the same exact thing. Well, yeah. Because there's other there's other <clears throat> mechanism. I'm glad you brought that up. There's other people involved. But it's like people assume, you know, you're in this vacuum. Oh, I want this done. Let's go do this. You know, there's other teams trying to accomplish the same type of thing. And you and know, the and the Giants pick this year, both the Jets and Giants two picks are better than the Eagles' yes. first pick. Yes. So if a team's going to try and desperately needs a player wants to move up, they're going to need, chances are, to move up to a higher slot than where the Eagles are at. So the Giants and Jets are both positioned now, better. Now, I think it's less right likely for your Jets. That. I do think, because I don't think they want to give up on Zach Wilson that quickly. I think they have the extra year. Like, I, they can't go quarterback that quickly. Um I think they would be the next year. Um, now, the Giants, yeah. I mean, you could argue they should have already given up. So they will certainly be in the mix um, for next year's draft uh, if things continue the way people think they're they're going to go. Um, so, yeah, there's other teams <laughs> who are going to have the same, the same type of mentality that are set up a little bit better even than the Eagles. All right. Uh, let's take a quickie timeout. We are scheduled to be joined by John Machota, outstanding Cowboy beat writer for the athletic. We're going to try and hit all three teams over the course of this week. Uh, commanders and giants. In addition to the Cowboys, what have the Cowboys done so far this off season? We'll come into the Eagles with John Machota from the athletic next here on birds, Three Sixty Five. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say. 
We got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Jody McDonald, John McMullen. We are joined by John Machoda. Hey, he's got good initials. It's JM, JM, yes. and JM here on Birds 365. Johnny M, how you been? I've been good, man. Just waiting for these Cowboys to make a big splash in free agency. But, uh, oh, wait, all the big-time players are gone. I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, there's a few. Bobby Wagner out there would make a bit of a splash, I would think, for the Cowboys. And it makes some sense with, with Dan Quinn. But, you know, I guess, John... I'll go back to Jerry Jones seemed really sort of torn up after the season this year than most years. I thought he, he thought a lot of us thought the Cowboys had a real chance to make a run and there was a lot of talent and he knew he was going to lose some of that talent. And here we are. And they've lost some talent. Amari Cooper, Lyle Collins, Randy Gregory, um, Cedric Wilson, um, where are the Cowboys here after this first wave of free agency? Have they taken a significant step back from a talent standpoint? Yeah, I don't know if it's significant. It's definitely a step back. This roster is not as good as it was at the end of this past season. And you're absolutely right. That's the most angered, annoyed, however you want to put it. I've seen Jerry Jones since I've covered the team and, uh, and the fan base is on the same level. So then you go into this offseason and you're not really making any big moves and you break everything down of who they've added and who they've lost. And it's made for the most frustrated Cowboys fan base since I've covered the team. So um, the one thing that they have going for them is that they're in the NFC East and it still remains, you know, they still should be the favorite in that. And if you win that, then obviously you still get in the playoffs. But that's the big thing that they haven't done anything on the roster to make you think, well, this season's going to be a lot different than last season was. Now, now their biggest the biggest things they were able to pull off is that most of us didn't think there was any way that they were bringing back Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn as their offensive coordinator and defense coordinator. It just seemed like one of them guys was going to get a head job and they did. So they were able to keep the staff all intact. Obviously they, you know, they have their key pieces and Dak Prescott and on defense, you still have, you know, to Marcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons and, and Trayvon Diggs and all that. But that wasn't good enough to get past the first round of the playoffs and you hosted a playoff game, why should anyone think that it's going to be any different next year? It's to the point where, yeah, they'll add pieces in the draft, but if you're a fan of this team or you watch this team, they can go and win 
11, 12, 13 games next year. And everyone's still throughout the entire season. Be like, yeah, that's nice. They did that last year. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had those ones last year. What are they going to do in the postseason? And so when you don't improve the roster, there's no reason to think that it's going to be any better than last season was. And no one around here is acting like, oh, double digit wins would be some great thing. One in the NFC East would be some great thing. Like, no one cares about that. Mike McCarthy was hired because it was to win playoff games and like make a run finally. Um, and so there's nothing they've done so far that makes you think it's going to be any different than it has been in the past. Let me get very positional specific with you. Defensive end. Randy Gregory looked like they had a deal done, uh, but he didn't like the language in the contract where he could lose guarantees if he was just fined, not suspended. The Broncos were willing to include that language, and for basically the same deal, he left town to go. Now, we know Randy Gregory is one bad incident away from being suspended, but that didn't happen this year, and the Cowboys had been good to him, yet they seemed to draw a line in the sand here that seemed to be a mistake. They replaced him with Dante Fowler, but I don't think he's an equivalent player. Did the Cowboys, in your est- estimation, mishandle the Randy Gregory situation? They probably did in terms of the language in the contract. Um, now, I don't think it was a surprise to him. Like, I don't think it was they tried to slide something in at the last second that just the way their language and their contracts are. And so when they came back, they probably should have given in a little bit if they really wanted him that bad. And they, there's a lot of surprise people in the building that that didn't get done. They figured that that was going to get done, especially when, you know, they were given the chance to match what the Broncos offer was that it was okay. Well, they're going to get this done. He wants to stay here. He's had success here uh, this past season. Everything seems like it's, it's trending in the right direction. Um, And it, and it didn't happen. And so obviously the Cowboys look bad for not getting that deal done at the same time though. I also look at it from this standpoint of, yeah, you're better with Randy Gregory than without him. But also that contract he was getting, I don't know if we haven't already seen Randy Gregory's best days. I mean, this past season, this was going to always, this past year was always going to be for Randy, his best chance to get his big contract. And, and, and I mean, I'm not trying to put everything on sack. He had six sacks. Like, I mean, yeah, you got to replace the guy, but let's not act like you're replacing. Like, I don't know how we're going to make up for those 15 sacks. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you, you lost him. You look silly for the way it went done. You probably should have given in a little bit, but let's also not act like, you know, they're losing Von Miller in his prime. Like they could be, they can do a couple different things and be able to replace Randy Gregory's production. Um, but still it, losing him doesn't make the team better. Um, is one of those different things, John, uh, playing Micah Parsons more as a edge rusher, or have they decided, no, he's going to have more of an impact as an off-ball linebacker, or is it going to be, as coordinators will like to say, and I'm sure Dan will say, it's week to week, and they always say that kind of stuff, but you kind of watch what they do, not what they say. Where do they want to play Micah Parsons? If it was up to Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy, they would, I mean, and, and everything was perfect in a perfect world, he would he would stay at linebacker, and then every game, be in a different spot. You know, sometimes he would just stay at linebacker other games. He would play a little bit more rushing off the right, a little more rushing off the left, maybe even a little bit more rushing up the middle other games. He's playing more linebacker the entire time. They would love for him to always just be that chess piece that the opponent from week to week doesn't really know where Micah Parsons is going to be at that week, where Micah Parsons is going to be at from play to play. I just say that that's in a perfect world because while they want that, if, the guys right now that they have on the roster that are that are there to replace Randy Gregory at right end 
are Dante Fowler, who they just signed to a very cheap one-year deal, and then Dorrance Armstrong, which is a very team-friendly two-year deal. If those guys aren't getting to the quarterback, your hand's forced. You're going to have to move Micah down there and get pressure somehow. You're not going to be able to just sit back and go, well, we prefer to have Mike at Mike linebacker. No, you're going to have to move things around and change some pieces around and do some things like that. Um, but now the Cowboys roster is not done. They, I mean, certainly they could add an, another, you know, edge rushing piece and things like that. But if they had enough pass rush up front, they would love to be able to keep Micah Parsons at linebacker just so that from play to play, they don't really know if he's rushing, if he's dropping, if he's covering, if he's coming from the right, up the middle, left, where it's at. That's when they believe he's at his best. John, the Eagles and the Cowboys were in a similar situation this offseason in one respect. That was safety. Both of the Eagles safeties were free agents at the end of the year. Both of the Cowboys safeties were free agents at the end of the year. The Eagles brought back Anthony Harris. The Cowboys brought back both Malik Hooker and J. Ron Curse. Um, when the Eagles re-signed Anthony Harris, my response was, eh, not overly excited, but he's not terrible either. So, uh, okay. Uh, what was your uh, thought process? What was your reaction when the Cowboys re-signed both of their free agent safeties? Well, J. Ron Curse was a must re-sign. He was just so good last year for him. Him and Dan Quinn, I mean, they just worked together so well. And, and J. Ron Curse had a career year. And, and it really makes you think that his best years are still ahead of him. So while Dan Quinn's success with Micah Parsons is what has stood out the most from this past season – there's no question him and J. Ron Curse and the way that he used J. Ron Curse is, <clears throat> has been some of the best safety play that we've seen in Dallas in a decade. And while on paper, I can see it, uh, you know, other teams in the league, other fans in the league go, oh, Malik Hooker, J. Ron Curse, that's not that big of a deal. But in Dallas, you're talking about a franchise for the last decade that has spent the least in the entire NFL at the safety position. No one is in invested less than the Cowboys at safety, whether it's draft picks, free agents, what have you. So, Bringing back Curse was a big move because it just showed you that, yeah, they are really committed. And, and I think that has a lot to do with Dan Quinn being in the room and them listening like, hey, Dan really wants this guy. We trust Dan. The defense is his baby. You know, if, if he thinks that this guy is that important, we have to get something done there. And then Malik Hooker, last year he showed some signs of being kind of the player that he was before the Achilles, but I don't think he was all the way back. Now you're two years removed from his Achilles injury uh, that he had in Indianapolis. So and then they have Donovan Wilson as, as their third safety. You know, again, if you're an outsider looking at the Cowboys roster, you might not be blown away with the safety position, but it is the best the safety position's been here in at least a decade. Uh, one thing the Cowboys have been known for in recent years, John, is the offensive line. And when you have, you know, understandably so, future Hall of Fame right guard, Zach Martin, got probably a future Hall of Fame left tackle, Teron Smith, but there has been some change. And I mentioned Lyle Collins earlier. Connor McGovern uh, is back, I believe. Um, they lost somebody. Did they lose somebody to Miami? Am I missing? Yeah, Connor Williams, their left guard. Connor Williams, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's basically 40% of their projected. Now, I, I know Terrence Steele played a lot, but um, – how much is that offensive line going to be impacted by no, by losing Williams and Collins? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that right off of the safety question because everything I said about safety, it's the complete opposite with the yeah. offensive line. This is the weakest the offensive line has been in the last decade. You know, that was, like you said, that's been, you know, the face of it. Jason Garrett built, when he took over as head coach, I mean, his first 
pick as head coach was Tyron Smith. It was going to be, we're turning over this offensive line. You know, when he was with the early Cowboys in the early nineties, they won with, with obviously they were loaded everywhere, but particularly in the offensive line, they were great. So when he was here, it was, you know, first round pick on Tyron Smith, first round Zach Martin, first round on Travis Frederick. I mean, Lyle Collins, you're able to sign who was a first round talent. I mean, it was like the Cowboys offensive line was going to be their biggest investment piece. And we've seen it age to the point where Tyron Smith isn't the Tyron Smith he, he was in the past in terms of his inf- effectiveness and just staying healthy. Uh, Lyle Collins the last two years just was not the guy that he was prior to that. Uh, so them releasing him wasn't a huge surprise. It's a little bit surprising just because he is a, a starter, but he was not the same player recently. Um, Connor Williams, who signed with Miami, I didn't get the sense that they were going to try and bring him back. Left guard was always going to be a spot that, they were going to address this off season. And, and I would say right now the odds on favorite for being their first round pick at 24 will, I think will be an offensive lineman that probably will fit in that left guard spot. But let's, I mean, it's not like center is just, you know, Tyler Biotish has been okay, but he hasn't been, he's nowhere near obviously what Travis Frederick was. So there's more question marks in the offensive line than there has been in the last decade. And even with the go, those guys that we were just talking about last year, the offensive line was arguably the most disappointing thing on the team. You know, they weren't able to get the run game going during the back half of the season. Uh, they had issues protecting Dak. They certainly had issues with penalties. I mean, they, they were a big reason why the Cowboys are the most penalized team in the NFL. So there was just not the same discipline there. So you can tell that they're going through a process now where they're shaking it back up and trying to reset this offensive line. And the most interesting thing to me is that, so when Jason Garrett was the head coach, it was, we're going to invest first round picks there. But if you look at Mike McCarthy's history in Green Bay, and I know he didn't have the say in the draft that he does now, but when he was in Green Bay, they were notorious for finding the David Bakhtiari's in the fourth rounds, the Lindsley's, the Josh Sittens, the TJ Langs. They weren't investing the first round picks to build all this. Now they did some with like Brian Balaga, but they found a lot of fourth, fifth round guys that come in and be starters. The Cowboys haven't done that. And so it'll be interesting to see his impact on this draft because the offensive line needs needs more. I mean, you just can't having a having a, a future Hall of Famer and Zach Martin still playing at a high level just alone. That's not going to be enough. They they need help on that offensive line big time. All right, John, I want to talk about the wide receiver position because there are pretty big changes for the Cowboys. There, they decided to move away from Amari Cooper and his big cap number. End up trading trading for the Cleveland for not much, but to get cap relief. Uh, they allowed Cedric Wilson to go out the door to Miami. Miami must have liked the Cowboys. They signed a couple of Cowboys this offseason. And I'm a Cedric Wilson fan, and I thought he was a really good. If Gallup's healthy, he's your four at the start of the season. Moved into the three role. I think he's one of the better three wide receivers, and he's going to be the three wide receiver down in Miami. So he's going to be really good there. But the Cowboys lost to, got Gallup back from injury, added Washington, how much of a drop-off from where they started last year is the Cowboy wide receiver room going into this year? Even if we start with the premise that, yes, C.D. Lamb was one of the best twos in the league, he'll be one of the better ones in the league. He's that kind of a star that being asked to elevate, he'll do that. Even accepting that, do you see a drop-off in the Cowboy wide receiver production? Yeah. I mean, if they were playing a game today, there's significant drop-off from last year. I, I do think, though, that with a second round pick, maybe even their first, but I would think more like a second or third, they're going to draft another receiver. And 
that's the one thing. Like I, I didn't hate the, the Amari Cooper move just from the perspective that I do believe that wide receiver is the easiest position to fill uh, via the draft. Not just, here, John. We yeah, can't. Well, yeah. Some people <laughs> the Eagles have been looking John. for a receiver. Not yeah. Philadelphians. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I just across the league, you just see so many teams find find guys second round, third round, some in the fourth round. Where again, I'm not talking about finding your one, and their one is yeah. CeeDee Lamb, and and he was their one last year. Um, even though Amari Cooper salary wise said it, CD lamb was, was their most productive receiver. So I just think that you, everyone gets bumped up a, a spot. And so CDs, your one now, Michael Gallup's your two. So if you're looking for a number three receiver, you should be able to find that in the second or third round. And then you mix in James Washington in there, you know, that should be a solid four guys right there that you have on the field at, at any given time. So you know, unlike edge rusher and some of the, and obviously quarterback and left tackle where it's like, yeah, you better do that in the first round. You're not going to get anybody that's making an impact year one. I do think at wide receiver, you could potentially find that guy. So that for that reason, I, I didn't absolutely hate the Amari Cooper thing. And, and let's be honest, kind of like I was saying earlier about the Gregory season last year, like, well, they had all those pieces that, you know, look great on paper. And what, it, what did it get them? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I missed the parades. I, I didn't see any banners being hung. I didn't even see any NFC championship game appearances. So there's a part of me where it's like, all right, well, maybe it needs to be re- reshuffled because there was just too many games, particularly against good teams down the back half of last season, where I was like, you have all these receivers and how is the offense looking like this? Like, yeah, sure. You guys are putting up huge numbers against all these teams that have no chance of making the playoffs. But when you're facing the good teams, like you're facing the San Francisco's and, and Arizona's and teams like that during I mean, even the Raiders, like where was this big production? And so because of that, I kind of, you just felt like that there was a good chance that Cooper was out and that they're going to have to address this, this in the draft. Well, John, one of those biggest names in Dallas is obviously Ezekiel Elliott at a devalued position. Let's be honest around the NFL. Um, He's not the player he once was. I think we can all agree with that. Um, what is it about Ezekiel Elliott that the Cowboys don't want to move on uh, from him? They're, his agent did a phenomenal job with his contract because if his contract was set up the same exact way and structured as Amari Cooper's, I mean, there's a there's a good chance Ezekiel Elliott is is gone with the rest of those guys too. But uh, his money is guaranteed this year. I mean, it's this is the final year. Next year, it's it's they can get out of the contract and save some money and things like that. And if he doesn't have a big year, that's that's what'll likely happen. Because I think I think it's pretty safe to say the Cowboys aren't going to be spending big on running back anytime in the near future. So it, it'll they'll be doing bargain bin shopping there for a while. Um, they're not going to put themselves in this position again. It just they they did that deal because the way that Jason Garrett structured his team. He needed, you know, he had the offensive line. They were going to be a big time running team. He needed what he would always say his bell cow back. I mean, these, these, these guys nowadays, these offensive coordinators, coach, they're not doing that anymore at running back outside of maybe Tennessee teams are multiple back. I mean, I really think the blueprint to, to the running back play in the NFL is the stuff we've seen over the past, you know, five, six years out of San Francisco. You don't need one guy like that split it between a couple different guys. And, 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 and you're not, heavily invested in any of them but yeah if, if Zeke's contract was different he wouldn't be back but the thing or he most likely wouldn't be back um but now when he was healthy last year he looked a little bit like the old Zeke but it just it's hard to sit there and watch him over the last few years and think his best ball is still ahead of him I mean he just has so much wear and tear on him from early in his career his time at Ohio State I mean he is a physical runner it's not you know I grew up watching Barry Sanders, where it was like he never really seemed like he got it. There was a good lick ever on him. 
and Zeke, it's like it's rare where he doesn't get a good lick on him. It's like almost every yeah every yeah. run is like a car accident, just a huge collision. Yeah, real quick, John, because there is a change. You got the huge dead cap hit, so it's understandable. But the Eagles set the precedent last year with Carson Wentz. Now it's exploded again with Matt Ryan. Is there was there any talk about the Cowboys just taking that dead hit money hit, which I think is thirty million or so, and just moving on? At the no talk whatsoever with Ezekiel and Not none that I had heard of. No, no, it was. You know, this is that that's the guaranteed money. They're not going to save anything on the cap by letting him go. They're going to still have to owe him. So it was like, this is just, this is the spot we're in. Now I will say they didn't do him any favors. I shouldn't say they didn't do him. He wanted to play through. He he was dealing with a knee issue last year for the back half of the season. And he probably shouldn't have been out there as much as he was. He wanted to play through it. Uh, it wasn't a knee injury that would sideline you. So he'd rehab during the week. He'd go out there, but you just could tell in, in a lot of those games, like, the, the best way to get the best Zeke is he probably needed to play every other week. He needed to have a week off play, have a week off play to get the best out of him last year after that knee issue. So now that he's healthy, but again, back to his physical running style, it's how, how long do you stay healthy? So I think everyone down here pretty much views it as this is finally the year that Tony Pollard is going to get more of a workload, uh, whether it be as a receiver running back more touches. See, he dealt with his own foot issue with the plantar fasciitis, because if that doesn't happen, I think you would have saw that during the back half of the season. But uh, now, now it's time, you know, that they're not going to, there's no reason that you're just going to keep running Zeke into a wall. Uh, I, I just think that you're going to see more carries out of Tony Pollard here and then mix it up more. John, last one for me. And I think you're being a little harsh on your Cowboys. You said they couldn't beat a playoff team in the second half of the season. Oh, I can tell you one they beat. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, so maybe the Eagles put their JV <laughs> team out there, and that really shouldn't count. Maybe you're on to something. Uh, I, I do want to give some credit to your owner, Jerry Jones, because a lot of people have this perception of him that he's uh, hands-on and he's always ready to pull the plug on the coach. And But yet Jason Garrett probably overstayed his welcome by about three years. So Jerry really does give his coach a chance, and after that major letdown with that home playoff loss, certainly the rumors were flying – Mike McCarthy, see you later, bye. And he didn't. And Jerry came out pretty quickly after he got over his first upsetness with the loss. He came out and he stood by McCarthy and said, we're not going to make a, a coaching change. And they didn't. So I give Jerry credit. Number one, he's got more patience than most people give him credit for. And number two, he ends up doing what he's saying. Now, sometimes he says something quickly and acts on it, and he gets it either right or wrong. But he is a man of his word. I'll give him that much, at least when it comes to the coaching hire. All that being said, how hot a seat is McCarthy on this season? Oh, it's really hot. I mean, this is the thing. You know, you, you mentioned that, how you know mad he was at the end of the season. And, you know, he was clearly frustrated because that not only was it a talented roster, but it was one that was healthy at the right time. This should have been when they were, they should have, that, that, that was their best chance to make a deep playoff run in, in a while. And so he was certainly disappointed with that. But the other part that you have to factor in here is you can only be, you can only be as hard nosed on your coaching changes as your options. And I just didn't see a lot of options out there at the time that would make a lot of sense from changing directions from Mike McCarthy. Are you going to all of a sudden, go with like McDaniel and a young coach? Are you going to hand it over to a young coach like Kellen Moore? You could have, I guess, handed it over to Dan Quinn if you felt like that was the move. But 
when it's not like Sean Payton said that, like, I want the Cowboys job. I'm leaving New Orleans because I want to coach the Cowboys or something like that. Like, that's always going to be the Sean Payton thing's always going to be there. And so if Sean Payton wanted to coach the Cowboys and they were going to work out some type of a deal, maybe things would be different. But I don't think Jerry had a lot of options to go in a different direction. As angry as he was at the end of the season, I think sitting down with Steven, and, and this is a key part in it too, as every year goes by, Steven has more and more say, more and more responsibility. He's one of the biggest reasons why they are so frugal, especially in free agency. He's the big on, on them, uh, you know, staying under the cap and, 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 and not spending big on any individual. That's a, that, cause that's certainly not in Jerry's DNA. Jerry's DNA is to, you know, shake things up, you know, make the big moves, big splashes. Not that that's done much for them lately, but it, it, you can see the influence from Steven. And I think Steven really likes Mike McCarthy. And I think that that's probably helped behind the scenes too. So, but, but with all of that said, if, if things go the same way this year, then they'll be going in another direction, you know, at the end of the season. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, the seat's certainly hot. I mean, it, not only do you need to win, probably win the division, but you're going to have to win multiple playoff games for, for it to look like this is going in the right direction. I, d- I don't, I just don't see how they can go less than that and then just keep going. And that's in, in the same direction they have been for the last few years. All right, John, final one from me uh, at John Mashota. Follow him on Twitter. Best in the business, as far as I'm concerned, covering the Dallas Cowboys. Gave you a little hint at the athletic uh, beat writers mock draft. He kind of hinted where the, the Cowboys are going to go in the first round. Your Cowboys to-do list as well. I'm going to end it with a, a famous Jody McDonald hypothetical. You mentioned what uh, Mike McCarthy has to do. What if they make the playoffs, they win the NFC East, they win a playoff game, and then they lose, and Sean Payton says, you know what, I'm going to come back. Is Sean Payton, under those circumstances, the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Mm, that's a great hypothetical. Um yeah, I think it comes down to how bad Sean Payton wants to be the Cowboys coach and what his plan would be for the Cowboys. Um, but I mean, man, it, it, it's you would think on, I mean, just on paper, everything that Jerry said, it would certainly seem and, and everything he's done, it would seem like that would be the direction they go, uh, that that they would go to Sean Payton. But I guess it all depends on how the season is. I mean, if, if they're fully healthy and it's this and it looks similar to this past season, and it's the same thing all over again, except that they win a wild card game. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that they go in another direction. But if they're all beat up and then they get in there and it kind of looks like, man, I can't believe they even were able to get this far, then Mike McCarthy probably coaches another year. But uh, the Sean Payton thing, it's a good thing to bring up because it really is the one. And then now with him, you know, looks like he's going to be on TV all the time. You know, his name is just going to be out there for multiple jobs. But there's just always that connection with the Cowboys. And he's so far ahead of anybody else that would be out there that would make any sense for the Cowboys. He's the one name that can really force Jerry, even if things look like they're going in the right direction to force Jerry, especially as he's getting older uh, in, in life, looking around him, like I got to make this move now or never uh, that, that is a possibility. Certainly, certainly it is. I mean, it's a great hypothetical. I can't say 100% for, for certain, but knowing how Jerry Jones is, if there isn't an NFC championship game appearance, I would think that he'd be willing to, to go in another direction, especially if it involves Sean Payton. Good job out of you, McMullen. Perfect hypothetical question. Um, I lied. I got one more question for you, Michaud, before we let you go. After the emotion had died down on the final play of the Cowboy season in the locker room, day after calling the refs into question, the referee did exactly what he was supposed to do on that play. 
It was a risky call. Dak didn't hand the ball to him. It wasn't the referee's fault at all, although everybody blamed the referee after the game. Did they either on the record or off the record come back and go, yeah, we kind of called it and we rolled the dice and it came up craps on us. May even be able to say I'd do it again, but we just need to do it slightly better than the way we did it. Did they at least back off their criticism of the ref after the famed Dak takeoff? I haven't heard from one person that said that they should have done it differently within the organization or that they, yeah, that they should have done it different in terms of people that were involved with that play being called and, and the way it went down that they would do it differently. Um, which is, it leaves you just scratching your head because <laughs> well, one and, and that game should never even have come down to that. I mean, I mean, you got the ball back two fifty to go. You still got the two minute warning, three timeouts. San Francisco doesn't have Fred Warner or Nick Bosa on the field. They're both out of the game. Like you're at home. Like I, the last time I checked every other NFC or every other playoff team that opened the wild card at home, won at home. Like you had to, everything was a layup there. It should never even come down to that last, you know, ditch effort. And, and who, and let's say he places it perfectly, whatever the idea that you even would get to score a touchdown in that play on that one final play is just, I mean, come on now. Like it, it just, it just sounded like excuse making for a team that knew that they didn't come close to meeting their expectations. So there was that that frustration after the game. So it's like, let's blame the refs for not doing this. It's like, you guys had so many opportunities. To blame the refs is just ridiculous. But that was their theme throughout the back end of the season because they were the most penalized team. And if you're the most penalized team, you will always be able to be a, yeah, it's, it's not just the other team we're playing. We're also playing the rest. He just, I don't know, man, that's just like a loser mentality to me. Like, okay, well there's things you can do differently to stop being penalized. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that was happening before the ball was even snapped that they were getting penalized for. So that's something that this off season, they certainly have to look in the mirror about and change. Mike McCarthy has said that. I mean, when he has talked, since the season has ended about the biggest things that they need to clean up and, and, and improve on, he has constantly said the penalties because they just, they cannot be the most penalized team. I'm sorry. It, it, it's not going to happen. They're not going to be making, making a deep playoff run. If they're that same team playing defensively, like they were committing those penalties. So yeah, there's a lot of looking in the mirror that has to happen, but no, I haven't heard anyone sit there and, and openly admit that. Yeah, we messed that thing up. We should have done this. That's the way they were taught it in practice. They ran it okay. just like they did in practice. They stuck put to their guns. Fine. And that's shocking you said that about the referee because that never happens here in Philadelphia. <laughs> Eagle fans never blame the referee. It's always part of the conversation. John, your conversation was great, as it always is. Whenever you come on, we'll get you on uh, either right before the draft or after the draft again as well. Thank you very much for coming on with us today. Thanks for having me on. I always enjoy talking to you guys. Our Thanks, pleasure. John Machoda does an outstanding job covering the Cowboys. I uh, didn't didn't want to tie him down and make him go. The Cowboys are worse, right? They are he pretty, worse. He pretty they much said the Cowboys are worse yeah. without directly saying he pretty much told you that. Uh, Hard Knocks is out, Jody. Before we hit the break, think about who's going to be on Hard Knocks. Oh, they already after the break. dedicated the team. Yeah. Wow, they don't usually do that this early, do they? NFL meetings are this week. I I don't. Yeah, but it's out. Okay, I'll give it a thought during the break. We'll come back, I'll take a guess. Uh, We've got to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Magamac guys here on Birds 365 coming down the home stretch. Only a couple minutes left. Uh, right before we went to break, Johnny Mac said, ooh, news, breaking news. They've already picked the team for next year's Hard Knocks on HBO. And you wanted me to guess. I'm trying to remember that there are certain restrictions and or necessities you need to get it. If you've got a new coach or excuse, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Uh, if, you have, if you've been on recently, you don't have to do it again. So I came up with three possibilities. Number one is my... J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets, Jets, Jets. They haven't been on it in a while. The coach is a second-year coach, not a first-year coach. They got a guy they could hang the, the, the narrative around in Wilson, the quarterback. Uh, possibility. The other one I was thinking was maybe Seattle. Might not have enough to. If, if Locke is going to be the quarterback, Carroll would be good at this. Pete Carroll would be good at the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and Seattle's a great thing, a great video to shoot up there. I thought that was a possibility. And then I locked in on my choice. The quote machine that is Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions. Now it's a boring team and they're not taking a quarterback and they continue to draft at the top of the draft, but that's who I'm going with. For Dan Campbell only, I'm predicting and projecting the Detroit Lions. Well, on um, let's see, what season is it? Drum roll. I wish we could get a drum roll, please. Jody McDonald. Unbelievable. 
for the 16th season of Hard Knocks, the Detroit Lions. Did I get it right? Yes. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is the, the, the number one <laughs> far and above reason why the Detroit like because Jared Goff, really? That's what you want to tune in to see? Jared, maybe get Jared to see Goff. a little, uh, maybe uh, Deuce Taylor can get his. Deuce, uh, yeah. yeah. How about Deuce getting some quotes? Yeah, maybe he can get on there. Uh, would, up his profile, get a little bit of a head coaching buzz going. Yeah, biting some kneecaps on hard knocks. Uh, and yeah. Campbell. It's a good call. I punched up the standings, and I again, I try and remember off the top of my head. I didn't look it up um, what the restrictions were, what you needed to, and I came up with a couple teams that fit it. Um, and yeah, they, when I cut my list down to three, Dan Campbell jumped off the page for me because that's what I look for. It's a, here's one of the things that bother me. Uh, a quick aside, and I know we got to wrap up the show. Have you watched Winning Times at all? Winning Times, no. What is it? On HBO, their Sunday night, 9 o'clock show, which is their highlight show of every single week. It's a show about the Showtime Lakers, starting with Oh, Matt. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, yeah. Okay. I have seen. You have seen some of it. Yeah. Um, the way that most people remember history is not the way they're portraying a bunch of the characters in this. Jerry West is, let's be honest here, he's an asshole in this production. And I heard that Jerry was kind of a, a strange bird during his playing days. Then we first started coach, but not an asshole. And they portray him as a stone cold asshole. They're making Pat Riley look like this demure, uh, hardworking, overworked guy who just kind of fell into the coach. Bullshit. Pat Riley is an asshole that uh, Jerry West was not. So they've taken some serious liberties with the depiction of some of the characters in this, I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's just entertaining as all get out. Well, it's that's not- what it is. Yeah, that show's just pure entertainment. Yeah, it so is. They're just, they're just. Uh, well, the one part Pat did kind of fall into the job. That part's true, but you know he turned into a what you said over the years as he became successful. But you remember uh, who had the accident? Uh, uh, Paul Westhead, right, had the bike accident. Um, and he kind of did fall into the job, and then obviously things took off for him. Um, but, yeah, that show is completely uh, over the top. Uh, sort of like, you know, pro wrestlers will say they turn things up. It might be themselves, but they turn things up to 10 on the dial. Right. Uh, that's what they're doing with that show. And that, it's entertaining. Right. That's the point I'm getting at. I'm reading so many people critique it and it's not realistic. And, oh, my God, they did such a character. They didn't promise you anything. It's entertainment. They didn't say fact for fact for fact for fact. Now, The Last Dance, that was a documentary, so they had to stick with the facts. I get it. Hard Knocks is also, it's basically a documentary because it's live footage. But you need to be entertaining. So if you don't have the ability to turn... Uh, Jerry West into an a-hole. You got to find a way to be entertaining. Dan Campbell's entertaining. I'm still not sure he can coach at all, but he is stone cold entertaining. So that's By the way, I got to correct myself because I thought I got a rose. Jack McKinney. Jack McKinney who had the bike accident. And uh, then Westhead got hired and he hired Riley. If you you haven't seen last night's episode, 
uh, go ahead and watch it during the day because Jack McKinney is a major factor in this episode. And yes, I actually, I sat next to Jack McKinney on a charity dais down the Delaware shore for a basketball tournament. Every year they have a high school tournament down there. Best teams on the East Coast all come in, the war at the shore, they call it. And I sat with Jack McKinney. He's a strange bird. And he is painted as a strange bird yeah. in this uh, episode. St. Joe's guy, man. You want the St. Joe's? Big St. Joe's guy. I think he's from uh, uh, somewhere around here. Chester, maybe. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah. he's a, a local guy and uh, was very well respected in certain corners in the NBA. He's a weird dude. Um, but they, <laughs> they play it well on the uh, on the show tonight. So go ahead and watch that. Uh, the most important thing you're going to watch in the next 22 hours it's Birds 365, because Johnny Mac and I will be back again tomorrow. May or may not have a giant or a uh, Washington guy. We're going to try and get at least one guy up uh, over the course of the week to uh, give you in-depth divisional uh, read on what they're doing during the free agency period. Day one, from an Eagle perspective, I think you have to call it a thumbs up. Cowboys, yeah, Cowboys are coming down, and the Eagles are at least stayed the same. Maybe a slight take up. Uh, you know, so things are going in the right direction. And we'll give you the uh, Commanders and Giants read before the week is out. Partner, I'll see you back here in two and two, okay? There we go. Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.